Welcome to the three-part teaching series, Renewing Your Mind, featuring Kara Starnes. In this series, you'll learn about renewing your mind through scripture, combating fear, and the importance of our connection with God. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire. Today is Wednesday. Today is part three of three of our teaching series, which has been absolutely amazing, called Renewing Your Mind, featuring Kara Starnes. Um, so for those of you tuning in for the first time, yes, there's a part one and a part two. Jeff, where do I find those? Well, you can stick around for this one because it's going to be equally as, as powerful. Um, but you can go into the description. It'll take you right to the playlist that has parts one and two. You can also type in Elijah Fire Teaching Series or Elijah Fire Renewing Your Mind Teaching Series 10. Renewing Your Mind featuring Kara Starnes. So. So yeah, links are in the description. All right, my guest today, uh, for those who are tuning in for the first time, she's a minister, she's a teacher, she's also the founder of Safe Passage. She's also the author of this fantastic book, Defend Yourself, which really this teaching series is, there's a lot of what we've been talking that is in here. Also some other bonus things because she's working on another book right now. So let's give it up for my guest today, Kara Starnes. Hey. Hey, Jeff. <laughs> Welcome back. I saw you do a, like a volcanic sneeze in the background. And it, it, Did you know I was doing a hair flip? Oh, I thought you were sneezing and it distracted me. That's one of the reasons why I stopped. Stop. I stopped talking. <laughs> so, and I was like, whoa, that was a, that was a doozy. Yeah. She did a hair flip, everybody. Don't get that. She didn't oh sneeze. All right. That's Quit making that assumption, everybody. She was violence today. Come on. <laughs> all right. So um, this is obviously part three, three. Part one was all about whole. <laughs> I'm trying to like carry on and be professional now, Kara. Uh, holy, holy is whole and there's hope for shattered minds. So to be. Holy is to be whole and what that means. And then part two was all about how fear, what fear does, mm -hmm. how it steals our future. Um, it, it, it kind of grabs a hold of our imagination. It gives false, false realities, playing out false things. And, and, and so it's all about that. What is part three of three going to be about? What are you going to be talking about today? I'm so excited. We are talking about actually dethroning fear, anxiety, and negative thinking. Yeah. And we're going to go through a lot. Yeah. We're going to go through our favorite subject. We're going to go through a lot today. We are going to go through the word and some examples yeah. in the word because I actually found a research study on how to help children who have fear-based behaviors overcome that and uh, it, it'll be really interesting today, but we usually jump to correcting fear, correcting anxiety. And I want to bring uh, today how actually connection is what helps us to deal with fear-based behaviors. And through connections, we actually see correction. And so it'll be really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I think the other night um, I was like trying to fall asleep 
And, uh, you know, in this series, it's just my mind's been been wild, even just in teaching this series. This is like some fresh stuff. You know, I'm writing my second book. So everything I'm bringing is like unpublished. I'm so excited to like develop it with you guys kind of on a real time basis. But um, the other night, uh, my head was just racing. OK, I was like circling through like disappointments, fears, unknowns in my life. It's really uh, special, but intense time in my life. And I started like, have you ever done that thing where you start like directing a whole like Broadway play in your head? <laughs> I mean, I, I never a Broadway play, uh, unless that's a metaphor, uh, but metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like, it's like a soap opera in your head. Like your fears actually like begin to play out. Right. And like you're, you're oh, imagining yeah. scenarios. Like that's what was happening. And so it was just, I was creating like full scenes in my head of these false realities and things mm -hmm. that are not real will never be real. Um, but, but fears, okay. I was investing in fears and, you know, my head was just giving air to all these voice to all these things. Okay. And I'm trying to like fall asleep and I become very sad and tears start, well, you know, welling up and, uh, I'm upset. And I just, I started to like backpedal out of that. And I said, God, why does this happen? Please help me. And I heard back and he said, it's your mind. You can do whatever you want with it. And as soon as he said that, I got this picture in my head of like a house and everybody has like windows in their house and natural light, you know, comes in and gives light to the home. And so somebody who paints their house with, you know, white walls, they're going to enhance the natural light that's coming in. But a person who paints their walls like dark colors, black colors, eliminates the power of the natural light that is shining in on their home. And so I began to realize, you know, um, a believer, we, ha we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the mind and the light, the mind of Christ and the light of God. It's shining in us. It's in our mind. Okay. And it desires to illuminate our thoughts, our life, our everything. But our thoughts, okay. Our thoughts are to our mind as the colors of the wall are to our house. Mm, that's good. And as brightness or darkness of paint on the walls either enhance or eliminate natural light in our home, okay, that's what our thoughts are doing in our mind. And so when the Holy Spirit said, it's your, your mind, you can do whatever you want with it, I that liberty, I was like, wow, that we can decorate this house however we want. We can bring in whatever we want. And that's either going to enhance or eliminate the thoughts of God and the light of God. And today we're talking about dethroning fear, anxiety, and negative thinking. And uh, I really have been studying more about how and why anxiety and fear come up in a person. And Really, why can it be so difficult uh, to dethrone and overcome? And how can we begin to do that and begin also to prevent it from resurfacing in our life and taking power again? Hmm. And when I did that, um, the Lord kind of took me to Romans 11. And this was kind of a surprising place for me, for him to take me. 
when we were talking about fear and anxiety and negative thinking, I'm like, why are we in Romans 11? Because I'm reading about how God's children have become disconnected from the vine. Okay. And so Paul's talking about something totally unrelated and, and how, you know, the children of God, the Israelites have fallen off the vine and Paul's, you know, talking to Gentiles about being grafted in, uh, of course, and also the Israelites being brought back to the vine. And so the Holy Spirit took me here um, in, in talking about all this fear and anxiety. And he started to talk to me about how he wants his children to be connected to him and how fear is related to us feeling connected or not. Right. Connected children feel safe. They feel protected and, and provided for. Right. Mm -hmm. But disconnected children become hurt, broken, lost in pain. Do you have, do you have kids, Jeff? No, not yet. Okay. So neither do I, but from my childhood, I know that's to be true. My father died when I was nine years old uh, of a tragic heart attack. Right. And so a lot of the trauma in my life is actually related to God, the father and all of that. And that perceived abandonment. And so I'm reading in, in the, and the, the branch that has basically the fallen, it's such a picture of what anxiety and fear want to do to us. Because when we're connected to the vine, we don't worry about life. When we're connected, we actually don't have anything to worry about because everything we know is coming directly from our life source, mm -hmm. life source, the vine and the father, right? Yeah. And so we grow without fear or effort or striving because we're connected to what supports us and protects us and gives us life. But the moment we become disconnected, we fall to the ground. And as we know from earlier in this series, when we look at the word anxiety, that's in Philippians 4, 6, we know that anxiety actually pulls us apart, right? Yeah. And it, I always thought, yeah, I feel like I'm being pulled apart. Then I realized it may, anxiety makes wants to pull me apart from the vine too. And so I... um. I want to be like, I, I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying. I don't want to like pass assumptions that people who have anxiety are not connected to God. Mm. I don't want it to sound like, I mean, they're not in prayer or in the word or in the presence or, or in worship. Right. Um, but like all this time, you know, I've been connected to the father, but I thought I was supposed to combat my anxiety I thought I was supposed to combat it through a different approach and I had it all backwards. Mm -hmm. And so what that is, is I thought I was supposed to correct anxiety because when we go into Romans 12, okay, this is where everything clicked for me because at this point, um, like I still have no clue why am I in this passage about anxiety? We go into Romans 12 and I realize that Paul is working towards concluding a point. He's working towards like concluding the discussion of Romans 11. And we know he's working to conclude that because he opens up Roman 12 at uh, Romans 12. And he says, therefore, okay. So he's wrapping up what he's saying beforehand. And he begins to talk about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And the correction that he's making is instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that was really interesting to me 
because yes, he's correcting a massive misbehavior. He says, don't become like the world. Don't do that. Instead, be transformed. And here's how you actually make that correction is you renew your mind. And what caught my attention was that Paul knew he needed to make this correction, but he could not make this correction until he addressed the real issue. And the real issue was connection. And so he had to address the connection first because you can't make a, you can't make corrections when the real issue is actually connection. And I'm like, you can't correct a mind if you're not actually connected to the mind. Does that make sense so far? Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so when it comes to the mind, a lot of times we jump straight into correction mode. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we often like we jump straight into correction. I'm going to out you for the sneeze thing today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It'll just be payback. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, um, what was I saying? So, when it comes to the mind, a lot of time we go straight to the correction thing. Okay. And we often read the Bible that way. Let me correct a behavior because the Bible says so. And that's how we treat anxiety. Since Philippians 4, 4 6 says not to be anxious, then let me correct and correct and correct, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anxiety can be managed and should be managed with correction, but it's actually overcome and defeated through connection because it deals with the root instead of the symptom. Okay. Does that make sense so far? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you're talking about this. This is really good. Okay. So um, really when, when we do that, we read the Bible like that, like we read the Bible, like it's for correcting, but the Bible was written to connect us to God. And so I began to realize like how many people are facing hopelessness Uh, over their anxiety, total hopelessness that there's like no cure and no solution and no victory over it. And I thought to myself, how is it that so many believers, they want this peace and they want this wholeness that God promises us. And yet we fail to experience it. And I believe it's because we've been taught that our, our automatic reaction should be to correct our behaviors and ignore the internal disconnection that actually requires a reconnection. And so today I'd love to um, go through some stories in the Bible, okay, to demonstrate that, to demonstrate how somebody corrected a fear-based behavior, okay, by connecting back to the heart of God. Um, And I'm really excited about that. But yeah. what's, what's your take so far? Well, I'm, I was just thinking about specifically about like behavioral modification and focusing in on that. Anybody who's dealt with any kind of sin or maybe just bad thought pra- practices or whatever, as is the case of this, um, sitting there and just getting a don't like you can know what the Bible says, but being like, don't do that. Don't do this. Quit doing that doesn't really, it doesn't really work. I mean, yeah, like you were saying, you can manage anxiety and be like, Hey, I don't think that this thing is good for me, even though 
it, it sometimes it could be like a good thing. It can be a type of music even that's not even like maybe it's just too intense mm -hmm. for you. Like for me, like even when I was going through that bout of, with anxiety, like I love Christian metal, but I couldn't listen to it at that time. It was too intense. And being like, and that's like my battle music, man. Like when I get into it and, and, and realizing like, this is too intense for me right now. And I, that's okay. You know? Mm -hmm. And then even like certain topics, um, like I listened to a lot of podcasts and, um, and there were Christian podcasts, but certain topics, I was just like, okay, God, what do you want me to be focusing on right now? What are the things that you would like me to be focusing right now? And he was like this, this, and this. But I mean, I always go back to even like what Psalm 91 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow mm -hmm. of the almighty. I will, save the, I will save the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And so for me, it was like, okay, that's my solution. It's not sitting here and being like bad thought, get this in check bad this obviously there was like a battening down of the hatches there was a focus on like okay hey let's kind of like prune that this let's prune some of the content i'm i'm taking in um for now and god highlighted those things but ultimately it was a recognition of whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow shadow of the almighty so what i actually started doing was like I would actually like, as I was getting ready for bed, I imagined that, I mean, scripture says we can approach the throne room boldly, right? So I was like, my bed is in the throne room of heaven. That's mm -hmm. where it is. So I know that even by me resting in God's presence, that itself is going to bring healing yeah. and that itself is going to bring change. So for me, it was a recognition of that. So I got pretty hardcore about like, what types of conversations Lauren and I took part in with people. And she very much was like, if you need help with someone like, I mean, Lauren was such a amazing um, champion during that time and really helping me, you know, partnering along with me in that process during that time. And, and so I would encourage people like be vulnerable enough to allow someone into your life to, to help. Like if you need help, like, say help, you know, and, and have someone there that's like, you know, you can talk to and, and, and everything. But anyways, um, yeah, so I got pretty hardcore with that of just recognizing like my solution is found in God's presence. It's not found in behavioral modification. And ultimately, yeah, like setting the training wheels so that you do eventually learn, you get comfortable and then you take the training wheels off and you can ride a bike, you know, in theory, that's the way it should work. But yeah. So, wow. Yeah. I love that. And I think what you said, we need to find people to walk with us because this is something that uh, the enemy will use to drive us into isolation. Yeah, absolutely. And we will hide it because of feeling overwhelmed or feeling ashamed. And then it will go on way longer than it, it really should because of the isolation. Right. Right. So I love right. that. Well, and you even experienced that yourself, right? isolation and then just implosion total mm -hmm. implosion the same with me you know where it's like mm -hmm. i was i was battling with with emotions and thoughts and wrestling through stuff that i thought i could handle on my own so i just mm -hmm. was like it'll be fine whatever mm -hmm. and it wasn't fine it wasn't no, fine it wasn't. yeah it wasn't yeah um because this is something that if you let it stay inside it only grows right yeah and it's not from God. We don't want that growing. And so 
Uh, we want to deal with that as soon as possible. And in, in the book, Defend Yourself, I talk about that. I talk about how a foothold became a stronghold, mm -hmm. how it all snowballed, how it all became like this massive infestation, how it became a fire. And when I just like a wildfire, when I smelled smoke, I should have put it out. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Right, but because I didn't put it out, Six years later, I was dealing with a, a raging wildfire, right? Yeah. And so we don't want to get to that point. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so you you know what I do at Safe Passage, right? Mm -hmm. And I work with teenagers who've been, they've been impacted by child trafficking uh, or exploitation. And so I come across a lot of studying. We do a lot of training uh, regarding trauma and specifically childhood trauma. And in the last few years, I have come across uh, some really like profound research on how to actually correct trauma behaviors in children. Interesting. And what I'm learning is it's not actually about correcting, it's about connecting. And our entire service model at the ministry uh, is designed around co connecting principles because connection is what corrects trauma behaviors and reactions at the root. And so where I found this is it was um, Dr. Karen Purvis. Uh, she did pass away, but her research is still uh, going on. And so she founded what we call the trust-based relational intervention and there, it's a connecting principle method um, for working with children and helping them overcome that trauma. And her life's work has really been focused on this. And um, it's been amazing to, 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 to realize how much this runs parallel to where the Holy Spirit took me in Romans 11 and 12. Okay. And so her core principle is basically that a, a child is reacting in fear-based behavior uh, because it's related to something like, like uh, their basic needs to feel loved or safe or cared for. Okay. And her core principle is that you actually can't correct uh, the misbehavior until you connect the child back to the heart of their caretaker. Hmm. And my mind was totally blown, right? Yeah. At like how this matched up with, with the, what the Holy Spirit was leading me into. And I began to learn like a child who's experienced like a detachment from their caregiver, they will explode into a tantrum over the smallest thing. And when this occurs, like, you know, you can't just correct that behavior. You have to actually work to reconnect them to a foundation of trust. Uh, and that occurs in relationship. Right. And so the ultimate goal of her model is to disarm those fear based behaviors in children and help them move forward in their life. And so to do this, she has three principles. OK, and they're connecting, empowering and correcting. Hmm. and correcting comes last. Yeah, I was going to say, I just, I was going to say that correcting comes last. Wow. Yeah. And it comes last because once the child is connected to their caretaker and empowered through that connection, correction takes care of itself, right? Because those, the hearts connected, they feel safe. Those wounds are tended to, right? 
And so things begin to naturally course correct. Okay. Because correction is going to the symptom, but connection is taking care of the real thing. And so I don't want to ignore 2 Corinthians 10.5. Okay. It says to take every thought captive. I do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, we want to obey the Bible. We absolutely want to be disciplined. We absolutely want to make corrections in our life. We want to repent of sin. We want to make corrections. Yes. But where there, here, here's the difference. Here, here's the difference to uh, just making corrections of sin is where there is trauma and pain, you need much more than correction. Okay. Mm. Because Oh. When you only correct that behavior, where you know that has a root of trauma and fear, yeah, you can manage the symptom and the acting out, but the wound is still there, and it's still festering, and it will until we get healed in our relationship with the Father. And anxiety is always something that comes from an internal place where we feel scared we feel abandoned or let down. And so there's a need for us to control because at some point we feel like we lost control and something made us afraid and we don't want to go through that again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so many of us jump to that verse of, of taking thoughts captive. Okay. Uh, and we correct that, that behavior and we try over and over and over again to take every thought captive. Okay. But the problem is the underlying attachment and trust with God that has to be restored. Okay. And, um, you know, when anxiety came up in my life, I decided to change my focus. Okay. And I'm, you know, I had a plan. Uh, it's a plan where I make, I'm actually going to give tips today on how to make immediate uh, moment by moment corrections with anxiety. All right. Love it. Awesome. Um, we'll, we'll kind of conclude with that on a, on a practical note of what do I do when this is happening? Okay. Um, so I, I had those, I had those plans, those practical things that I did, but I, I changed my focus really uh, so that when anxiety came up, yes, I, I took those steps in the moment to, to manage the, the outburst. Okay. But over the course of days and weeks and months, I put a very heavy strategic focus on actually the presence of God and going to him and getting healed. All right. And that's where things really began to change for me is I, I, I was so focused on correcting the behavior mm -hmm. because I was ashamed of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But when I focused on, Hey, I, this is actually stemming from a pain point that can only be healed in connection of God. Yeah. Come on. So good. I'm, I'm just very excited uh, because I just, I feel, uh, I just feel the joy of the Lord right now about just uh, people like this is it, like what Kara's mm -hmm. talking about. And I'm excited too, because everything during the, the course of this series, you know, I, and even just reading your book, realizing there's so many things that the Lord led me through just by seeking his presence that I was like, man, like this is, uh, this is exactly a lot of the stuff is exactly what God asked me to do. And it wasn't in 
like you didn't know I, you, you and I didn't know each other back then, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and so I'm just really encouraged that I mean, like the whole that God is really on this, like Kara's mm-hmm. talking about. And I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited mm-hmm. for people. Um. Uh. So yes, continue. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. So I want to like today, uh, I, I like bringing kind of like a, like a, a dynamic teaching. I really like bringing things that are based in like therapy and psychology. And then I like tying that directly to the word because when people have struggled with mental health for so long or mental illness or fear, anxiety, all these things that they feel are out of control, they get really encouraged when not only is science and psychology telling you there's hope, but they're like, also the word is saying the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And science and psychology aren't coming up with, with new stuff. They're actually just evidencing that, that the word is true and the word is dependable and God is dependable and God is restoring us. Right. And so I like bringing that dynamic stuff. So I wanted to encourage you with what the psychology world is saying, right? But now I want to go to the word and get it from, okay, the source. <laughs> okay, we psychology was great, but let's go find it in the word. And um, uh, this is super. So my two favorite Bible stories, all right? We're going to uh, talk through Elijah. If we have time, we'll talk through Peter. Okay, so... Um, my two favorite stories, all right, is I, it's, I realized that a connection, all right, with God corrected everything. And so Elijah's coming from the Old Testament, Peter's coming from the New Testament and their stories, they still have three things in common. So fear tried to get them to abandon their assignments. They ran for their lives and God pursued them with connection, not correction. And that connection was able to correct the fear-based behaviors and get them back on track with their calling and assignments, okay? And that really touched my heart because when I felt like I was doing everything wrong day after day because of fear, I just kept kind of waiting for the shoe to drop and God to correct me. But instead, I experienced him pursuing me, okay? with tender-hearted connection, and that's what I needed. And so the first story, it comes from the first Kings 18 to 19 in that area. And, uh, you know, got to bring this to the Elijah Fire Show, right? Keep on brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this story, absolutely wild. Okay, yeah. absolutely wild. And it's important to know the backstory because uh, I want to kind of tie it into the state that Elijah got himself into. And so Elijah, he goes to King Ahab, okay? And he gets the king to call a national assembly of Israel. And he's insisting that 450 prophets of, of Baal meet him at this assembly. And so when they gather, he instructs the prophets of Baal to set up the altar, okay? Uh, set up the sacrifice, but he says, we're gonna pray to our gods, meet a mine, all 450 of you to yours. And the God that answers by fire, by setting the altar on fire is the one true God. And so we know what happens. It's a wild story. The prophets of Baal pray and worship and they do crazy things, okay, to call on their God and he doesn't show up, Mm -hmm. okay? Nothing transpires, all right? So Elijah's like, it's my turn. And he ups the ante by having the prophets of Baal dump 12 jars of water 
over his altar. Mm -hmm. And it's so drenched that it's like dripping down into mm -hmm. the trenchy drug. And now all the, all the, like they're all exhausted. They've been pouring out their blood, sweat, and tears all morning to no avail. Okay. And then they watch Elijah just simply have a plea from the heart to God to make himself known and to turn the heart of Israel back to God. And with no delay, you know, this fire comes crashing down from heaven, licks up the water and consumes the altar. Yeah. And so after that, you know, Elijah has the prophets of Baal killed and he turns to the king and he tells them, celebrate with a meal because rain is coming to end the drought. And so when Elijah goes to pray, he, you know, the servant, they're looking for the clouds, you know, they, you know, take a hike, you know, like seven times and they finally come back. And there's a cloud the size of a man's hand, right? In the distance, okay? A fluffy white cloud, right? And that's where they're expecting this rain to come from. And so they they send a message to the king. And they're like, you better hurry up. You better get on your chariot. You better go home or else the rain's going to stop you. That's how crazy this rain is going to be. And, it, it, and there had been no drop of rain for years, right? So anywho, uh the storm comes and not only does this massive storm roll through, but God gives Elijah supernatural strength to run ahead of Elijah's chariots all the way back to Jezreel, right? Outpacing him the whole time. And it's just this wild thing. And it, when, when Jezebel, the idolatrous and the murderous queen finds out what's happened, finds out that Elijah has killed all her prophets she says, I'm going to kill him. Okay. And we have to think about everything that happened. All the power of God that Elijah had just witnessed in literally like one afternoon. I'm not totally sure of the sequence of events, but I'm pretty sure it was like in an afternoon, in a day of so. And somehow one threatening word to his life, one little mouthy upset, and he's panicking and he's fleeing. And... <laughs> He like, he, he, he runs into, okay, the wilderness and he tells God something that we've all probably muttered in our darkest hour. And he begs to go home that, you know, God gave him life and he's like, Lord, just take it. I've had enough. Take my life. And he's so depressed and exhausted and he's afraid. And, and so we know what happens. He's, he's led to the mountain of the Lord. He goes into a cave, all right? And the word of the Lord visits him. And God says to him, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Okay. And Elijah answers him and he tells the Lord, you know, I've run away from my assignments. Uh, I don't want to do that no more. I'm terrified for my life. And he explained to God, I've served you faithfully. I've obeyed your every command. I've actually done it zealously, right? And she's killed all of your prophets. I'm the only one left. And now she wants to kill me too. And so at this point, I really started to like, imagine like, what is God going to say to him? Okay. And I thought like, God's totally going to correct him because he's a prophet and he can do this. Okay. Okay. And I thought, you know, God's going to correct him because Elijah just witnessed miracle after miracle in like a day's time, more than most people will experience in their lifetime. Like wild, wild what he experienced. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm just like, oh, God's going to tell him to get it together. 
But instead, God is allowing Elijah to talk. And he's giving Elijah space to vent and letting his fears come out of his head, out of his belly, right out of his mouth, right? And when Elijah tells God he's afraid, God doesn't correct him. He knows what Elijah really needs. And so what he does, he says, Elijah, I want to encounter you and I want to give you my presence. And so he hears this gentle whisper and then he hears God say again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And when I processed this story, um, I asked God, I said, why did you ask him the same question when you already knew the answer? And I heard back because I wanted to connect to him. Mm. And I thought about it for a moment, you know, and then, then I asked, I said, you connected to him in a whisper. Why did you send three violent displays of nature first? And that's when I realized a whisper from God will shut down the shouts of fear. And when we are afraid, when we are afraid, we want God to match the volume of our fears. Those three mighty acts of nature, they didn't connect God with Elijah. They didn't soothe his fears. They didn't, you know, wipe out his, his fears, but a whisper did. Mm -hmm. Because Elijah knew God's presence had pursued him and that was all he needed. All he needed was connection from God. Mm -hmm. And that connection ended up empowering him to return to his assignments that he had just run from. Yeah. And so God, he doesn't even like with Elijah, he didn't even correct that fear-based behavior of him running away and hiding. He just connects with him. And it's when he, Elijah connected with that whisper, right? That's when God was able to say, Elijah, I'm with you. And you're going to go back exactly the way you came. You're going back to those assignments. You're going back to where you've been running from. And all it took for Elijah to get back on the horse was connection, right? Mm -hmm. That's all it took. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, I think uh, there's uh, something to be said about him with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and seeing fire come down and just nuke the, the altar and lick up all the water. And that's quite a display, right? And he mm -hmm. knew it was God, but even in those big moments, like for me, it's, it's obviously I've never been in a situation like Elijah, <laughs> but, but for me, it's been, those moments where God's still small voice comes and he just quiets everything with a whisper, right? Uh -huh. um, where it's like, because I've had amazing things happen in my life and God really showed up, but still, I mean, I know what it's like to like be like, yeah, God, you know, you're seeing something happen mm -hmm. and then someone, <laughs> all it takes, Kara, is one comment and all of a sudden I'm like, oh no, you know, like, my day's ruined, you know, and, um, it's, so I can, you know, so Jezebel coming and being like, you're an idiot. I'm going to kill you. Uh, I'm coming for you. 
and he's like, oh no. And he just saw a great display of God's mm-hmm. power. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's so important to have those moments where you are in a position where you do hear that whisper from God. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. And and a lot of times for me, it's been in those moments when I've been, um, I've been in distress. I've been in the, you know, in, in, in f- those moments where it's like, yeah, like you were saying, like we want in those moments, we want God's you know, voice to, to match whatever our fears are. And I would even go a step farther and say, I want it to exceed those fears. You know, like that's my heart is to like, see, um, hear that God's whisper I know is greater than any shout from hell that yeah. I can hear, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And to this day, I have to catch myself because I will, when I'm afraid, I'm like, God, just speak to me. God, just do something big and bold and I'll get it together. Right. And I have learned that when we are afraid, we actually it's we need a connection with the father. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't bring a baby in. He doesn't bring a child in and yell at them. Right. It's through a whisper. And so I have totally transformed my fear moments. I'm not looking for God to blast through and match the volume of my fears because they're a liar. They're lying to Mm -hmm. me. Right. And God doesn't, he's speaking to me and all I need is that real connection. And the same thing happened with Peter. I don't really know which one's my favorite story. Maybe this one, but, and uh, just to continue matching up the trauma principles that we've been talking about. The order is connect, empower, correct. And Philippians 4.3, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's when we're connected to him that that's when we become strengthened and empowered to do all things. Okay. And so um, the same pattern, it happened with Peter. All right. And uh, Peter, he was he was totally like gung-ho about defending Jesus and not leaving his side when he was taken into custody. Peter's one who chopped the the guard's ear off. Okay. Yeah. He was very Um, cavalier. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he literally, he dismembered a Roman guard. Right. But, but when Peter went to the courtyard and is waiting for Jesus, right. He denied him three times. This is the same night. This is the same Peter. Okay. Only hours have passed between the Peter who was bold enough to chop a guard's ear to the Peter who denied Jesus. And there's one difference between that version of Peter. And it's a Peter who was in the presence of Jesus and Peter who felt alone, right? And in that loneliness, he was afraid. And that's when he denied Christ. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus becomes resurrected and Peter, he's relieved Jesus is alive, but now there's like this pit in his stomach. Okay. Because he's, he's thinking there's no way, what am I going to say to Jesus? There's no way I can make up for what I did. Right. Sorry's not going to cut it, but I love Jesus so much. What am I going to say to him? And so Jesus sits him down and he, he doesn't correct Peter. 
again, we see him connecting. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he asks Peter if Peter loves him. And what I realized is Jesus got Peter to say what he wanted to say. And so when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was dead for three days, when Jesus was resurrected and, and Peter was waiting for a moment with him and waiting to see him, what was Peter thinking about? He was thinking about how in the world am I going to tell Jesus I love him when I denied him? And so Jesus is, is getting Peter to, to say what's on his heart, which is, Jesus, I know what I did, but do you know that I love you? And when they have that moment together, okay, that's when Jesus said, feed my sheep, okay? And here's what's happening is connection, empowerment, correction. So when Jesus connected to Peter after his fear-based behavior, Peter becomes empowered through that connection and he's put back on track with his calling and his assignments, And I wanted to tell these two stories today, all right? No matter how far fear has gotten us to run away, right? When we connect back to the love of the Father, He ministers to us. And He gets us to actually open up about what's really going on and why we're afraid and how deep it goes. And the solution is always connection, okay? Because that's how we become empowered to face our fears and actually to face our assignments and dethrone fear. Yes. Baller. Baller. And I want to take this a step farther uh, with this story with Peter, because when Jesus uh, early on in meeting Peter, he says to him on this rock, he's talking about Peter Mm -hmm. on this rock, I will build my church, right? That's a big prophecy, right? Yeah. Um, and then Peter denies Jesus three times, you know, and what a rock. <laughs> right. And you know, he had to have been thinking about that prophecy and saying, I blew it. Mm-hmm. This, I blew it. Like whatever God's, because we always think that our mistakes are far greater than a word God speaks to us. Yeah. Uh, and we're not that powerful, Kara. Like, <laughs> and so. Just like you were talking about in the first um, part one of three about um, timing and how often our perception of timing, we think we've missed it or we've blown it. You told that great story about God speaking to you about starting to mentor. And there was that girl, Maddie, I think was her name. She came up to you and she was like, she was a year delayed on walking out in obedience, but he was right on time. So it's like you're talking about how sometimes God, you you believe that God speaks stuff to us knowing that it's going to take us, it's going to be a process for us to actually walk out that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so even with, with anybody listening, like say you saw a great victory in your life and now you find yourself in a place where you feel like maybe you've allowed fear to come back in. Say you saw a great victory over fear and you've, you've come back in, or maybe you even like had a word and you were like from someone you're like, Whoa, like this just resonates so much. And, and, and about who you are, you know, who you were going to become. And, and a lot of times when God speak, not a lot of times, 
when God speaks those things about our future to us, it's like this, if you could see what I see kind of a mm -hmm. thing. And that to me really, it really excites me. Even if I walk through a slippery phase where I, you know, pull a Peter and, um, you know, but I think th there is a message there about ultimately like God's purpose was fulfilled in Peter. And it wasn't this whoopsie, like God is sovereign. And so much so that he even pointed out to Peter, he's like, you know, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times, which, I mean, if you're basing, if you, we have the kind of the benefit of knowing what happens with Peter, but mm -hmm. if you were in the moment and you didn't know, like you would have been like, what Peter, like Peter, Peter's like hardcore gung ho. Like he's the guy, he's the guy that's always like, never going to, I'm never going to die. I'm even going to prevent you from dying. Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, get behind me saying, you know, so I think, um, yeah. Uh, but God is, yeah, God is faithful. And, um, that, that word he spoke over him on this rock, I build my church was true, mm -hmm. even though it was a slippery, it took, it took a bit for Peter to get his footing, but mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the, you know, I'm a really like, let me be independent. Let me not, you know, let me, I'm just that way. Right. Like mm -hmm. I was literally in a, a, a counseling session, a ministry session yesterday and uh, I was struggling and the minister, she was like, yeah, I knew it would be hard today. I was already praying for you. I was like, yeah. Um, so I'm just that person where I'm like, I want to be independent. I really don't want to have these issues I'm facing, but I do. Right. And because of like the uh, loss of my father, in my childhood, sometimes I don't like to feel like a child. I don't like to feel vulnerable, but that father child thing is so important. Okay. And last episode, we talked about how fear comes to steal uh, your future and kill your purpose. And the enemy doesn't want you to move forward in your identity in your calling in your assignments. We know that. Okay. And we know from Romans eight fifteen that we have the spirit of adoption. Okay. We are God's children. Yeah. So the devil of course, okay. Is always walking, working to oppose our connection as children of God by convincing us that we're orphaned and abandoned and neglected. And here is the sneaky tactic. If the devil can't make you a, a prodigal, okay, who runs away and blows his inheritance on sinful acts, then he'll make you a traumatized and disconnected orphan who's so afraid of the world that they stay home, they take no risks, and they waste their inheritance away in hiddenness and timidity. And the very interesting difference is the prodigal son knew he was a son and knew he had an inheritance, but the orphan uh, doesn't know or doesn't tap into their inheritance, right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure we don't overlook that that father-child connection, right? And uh, uh, with Safe Passage, I've had a lot of pressure I've carried, a lot of stress I've carried over the vision, over making it succeed. And maybe in 2021, it must have been around then, 
I was dealing with um, significant pressure and it didn't come from anybody. It came from me, really. I was putting the pressure on myself, um, but it was getting really stressful. And I remember the day uh, I was waking up and I had a dream before I woke up. And uh, I don't even know if it was a dream because I was literally seconds from waking up. It was almost like a vision with my eyes closed. I don't know. So I was waking up and suddenly this man of light, like we talk about Jesus, you know, being dressed in white. No, it was a, it was a man of lights. Like his whole figure was light. And so he's coming up to my face, this man of light, and he gets in my face like this close. And he says, I have a word for you. Take it off. And I woke up and I immediately knew what the word was to take off the pressure. And when I got out of bed that day, the word was to take off the pressure. But when I got out of bed, okay, I walked around that day feeling like love had come from heaven to touch me. Hmm. And all that day, I was just like, he loves me. Oh my gosh, he loves me. And I was crying all day totally impacted by his love and his love didn't want me walking around in fear and striving and worry or pressure. Yeah. It's good. That was significant to me. So good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about how to, yeah, I see some points here. I've, I, obviously if there's a, you know, you're the teacher, so you've got a process, but how to, dethrone fear. Okay. So I, how to do that? <laughs> I, well, and I want to hear your points too, if you have some, cause you've worked on this. Well, I like, I, um, specifically with like, take it, take it off. What, like when, was there a process for you of just go like recognizing like, or was it just like, okay, fine, I'll take it off. Or was it a supernatural impartation that you got? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from heaven. Cause you said you felt love all day. I'm, I'm really curious for you. What was oh, and, yeah. So probably for like that summer, that season, it just supernaturally lifted. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, because of the encouragement and connection. Right. We talked about that all day today. The connection will just make that correction. But literally today I was sitting on the porch doing work was, uh, you know, really afraid of like the transition I'm in. And I had to remind myself of that dream, right? Because we, like when God gives us a word in the past, we need to steward that. He gave us that encounter, right? If your you know, mom calls you on the phone and gives you a word, like, does she need to give you that every day for the rest of your life? Or are you going to be like, this is what my mom always said, you know, mm -hmm. what she says, right? And we take it with us every day. And so even today, like um, I had to remind myself of that dream. I don't need God to repeat that dream. He gave it to me. He connected with me and I'm not going to forget it, but yeah, I had to remind myself. That's good. So I gave you three points, but uh, I went through some of the comments of the past like series. And so I kind of developed actually five points. Oh, too. awesome. So these are the, uh, these are the practical points uh, that really got me through um, uh, really one of the worst times in my life. Practical points for dethroning fear and anxiety and negative thinking. Yeah. The first one, okay, the first one, I want to tell you where I learned 
to begin. And here's how I got this point is fear will convince you that everything's falling apart. Fear will convince you that everything's bad, everything's heavy, and it wears you down. Okay. And then when that happens, you get so beat up, not only about the fear thing, but you, you begin to beat yourself up about how heavy you feel. Okay. Yeah. And so I learned it's really important to laugh. Amen. For myself. But in that, I learned that laughing actually disempowers fear. And think about that. Why did the woman in Proverbs 31 laugh without fear of the future? (laughs) Because fear comes to take your future and kill your purpose. And it comes to intimidate you about what's to head. And so how do we defeat fear? Here's the thing. You don't have power uh, over what makes you cower. Okay. We don't cower in the face of fear. We laugh in it. And when thousands of, of Israelites cowered in the face of the giant, David, he declined all the king's armor, all the king's weapons, and he went, he got a small stone and he did this to humiliate the Philistines and he made the giant a laughing stock. And so the quickest way to empower yourself and disempower fear is by laughing. Okay. And this is a really good place to start because not only does it like lift you out of heaviness, but it it immediately begins to dethrone the antics of the spirit of fear. Okay. And that really helped me because I was, I was way too serious about what was happening and that was only giving more power to the fear. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I began laughing. The people like that. Okay. I love that. They love it. I was afraid that was going to fall flat for them. Okay. You don't have power over what makes you cower. (laughs) Write it down, people. So number two, all right. um, Remember your history with God. Yeah. So in Joshua uh, 24, he's leading the Israelites into a renewed covenant. And to make this renewal, what he does is he reminds them of their history with God. What, who has God been for you? What has he done? What has he led you out of? You know, the waters that he parted for you. And so when I'm afraid, I begin to go through my memories. I begin to go through my journal entries and remember what God has done for me. And when I do that, I become really expectant that he's going to do it again, right? And uh, in uh, Psalm uh, 77, I actually have it pulled up here. I'll just read it really quickly. But when you reflect on your history with God, you actually begin to appeal negative thinking with your history. And so in Psalm 77, the psalmist, he's heavy, he's alone, he's afraid. And he begins to share how he feels all of those things. And then he turns his mind in a different direction. And so he begins to say, you know what? I have depth with God. I have history with God and I will remember everything that he has done for me. And he begins to stir himself up. And so it's like verses one to 10. It's things like I cried unto God with my voice. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Um, uh, I complained. My spirit was overwhelmed. Um, Will the Lord cast off forever? You know, is has his favor run out? You know, is his mercy gone for me forever? Um, Does his promise fail forevermore? Okay, really depressing stuff. All right. 
he's wondering if God is done being faithful, right? But in verse 10, okay, he says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate on all the things he has done, okay? And just yesterday, I was in that ministry session, okay? And I had to decide, uh, I have this pattern. When hard things happen in my life, I get mad at God. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. And I begin to blame him uh, for all these things. And in, in counseling yesterday, she said, you know, Carrie, you have to make a choice. Are you going to be mad at God? Actually, it was really funny because she was like, she was like, I know you love God, but how are you going to minister to people when you're mad at him? It was really funny. I said, (laughs) I said, it's called madly in love. (laughs) She wasn't very happy about that. But (laughs) duh. Madly in love. That's what it is. Yeah. So uh she said, you have to make a choice. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I even just yesterday I said, I I'm, my history with God's not shallow. My history with God is incredible depth and I'm not going to do this anymore. My history is way too deep and way too thick. Yeah. It goes back way too far. And so I begin to remember my history with yeah. God. Okay. And here's the thing. When you reflect on your history, uh, it will give you the faith you need to go forth and make more history with God. All right. Uh, number three is staying connected. Um, that's really what we talked about today. Um, so I'm not going to go really through that one, but we stay connected. Okay. And I always say that in prayer, you release it and in worship you become, okay. Because in prayer, you release what's not true. You, you give up, uh, the feelings as an offering, you give up the fears and the white knuckle, you know, control, you give it up as an offering. Okay. But in worship, you really become heavenly minded and you become aware of who God is. All right. And so we want to stay connected uh, in that way. Right. Because there will be times like Elijah and like Peter where we get tired, we get afraid, we want to run away. But in those moments, we need to know God is pursuing us. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we need to stay connected because when we're connected, that's when we become empowered. All right. Uh, and strengthened. Um, so number four is monitoring your thoughts with the word. Yeah. And this takes a whole effort, but it will change your life. And so in the last episode, I gave out a homework assignment and we talked about true north and how if our thoughts are being pulled off course, we will not get to where we want to go. And we need to pay attention to where we're going. And so the assignment was to get out a pen and paper and decide what is your true north and where is it that you want to go? And the true north and all that, that can be a short term vision. That can be a life vision. It can be both. It can be either or. But we want to relate that vision, not not to your five year business plan, but to relate it back to your identity as a child of God and your commission on the earth. Okay, and that's reaching people and reconciling people back to the heart of God. And so at the end of the day, what you're supposed to do is pull out that pen and paper and 
evaluate where did my thoughts take me today? Okay. Am I on track or off track? Okay. And if I'm off track, if I continue being led in, in the wrong direction, right, I'm going to end up being totally turned around, never completing my assignments, never getting where I want to go. Right. And uh, so that true north assignment, it basically gets you to monitor, are your thoughts misleading you? If they're misleading you, we want to. So on the left side of that page, you know, I would write down they, you know, I didn't step out today. I, you know, this fear thought is probably going to keep me from my assignment. And on the right side of the page, you know, I date it and everything. That's when I bring in the word. And I say, but this is what God says. I'm to advance in the earth. I'm to overcome this fear. I'm to trust God. I'm not to have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Yeah. And that redirection, then I pick up in the next day and I try again. And after doing that for, let's say I did that for maybe 60 days, um, I didn't see an improvement. (laughs) (laughs) And that doesn't mean it's not working. It means I actually realized I have a huge issue I didn't know I had. I had my problems bigger than I knew it was. And so it wasn't that the assignment was failing. It was that I was uncovering, this is actually a bigger issue than I realized. And my thoughts are going to dictate the course of my life. And this is, I actually became more serious about taking dominion over my mind, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So number five is I keep a uh, grateful, thankful list. Fear and anxiety and negative thinking, they will make you feel heavy and depressed and ungrateful. But in Philippians 4, 6, we see it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition, present your request to God, okay, with with thanksgiving. And there's something there about giving thanks and meditating on thankfulness that it redirects your mind from anxiety to godly things. And so uh, when I'm feeling fearful, when I'm feeling anxious, I literally have a note in my phone and I pull it up, enter a new date. And I begin to think about absolutely everything I can that I'm grateful for. And there's really profound things where I will begin to realize I'm actually grateful for that thing that I thought was stressing me out. Mm -hmm. I'm actually grateful for that thing that I thought I didn't want to do. And so I begin to realize that fear is trying to keep me from the blessings that God's trying to give me. Mm -hmm. And fear just wants to make you depressed and heavy. And so this running list, it has really profound things. But when depression comes in to make you hate every second of your life, the little things count too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So my list has, uh, you can probably guess, there were days. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. (laughs) There, there, there were days I wrote down, you know, I don't feel anything except pain. And I had to find the joy because we're created to know God and to be loved by him. And life is a gift. And so when I didn't feel like life was a gift, I felt like it was pain. I began to go through my day and see everything as a joy and gift. And so there are days where the thankfulness is profound. And there are days where I'm thankful that I wasn't born in the 1800s. 
where I don't have air conditioning and internet. And there mm -hmm. were days I was thankful for the pizza and the cereal. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Though that list, it brought me back to the gift that life is. And it dethroned depression and fear and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I, uh, I do lists like that, but it's never, it's sometimes I'll write them down, but most of the time it's just out loud. I just speak it out loud. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I like what you said though, about, you know, when you do this, eventually you actually become thankful for whatever's irking you in that moment or uh -huh. whatever you feel like is the thing that, cause in the moment, sometimes it can feel like, oh, it's this relate, it's this thing, you know, that is, being the the uh vortex uh and it's sucking all joy and it's taking everything away and then you realize actually it's not mm -hmm. um and so sometimes what i do is when i'm doing it out loud i will start with things that are so far removed whatever whatever is is uh i think is the source of my you know you know whatever upset fear whatever it is I'll start as far away from that as possible and I'll, and, and you kind of, as you go through that process, I feel something like stir inside me. And then eventually, yeah, then it's like, I find it just flying out of my mouth and I'm like, and God, I am thankful for this thing. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wow. Okay. That's, and I feel like a sincerity in my heart, you know? Wow. Um, so it's really interesting that you said that because same, same with me, you know, uh -huh. then you can, when, once, once you, I, once something like that happens where you're like, God, I'm thankful for this thing that, that when, yeah. what, what prompted me starting to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be thankful. It was what I, th I had thought I'd identified the source of that negativity, which was this yeah. thing, right? Whatever it is. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm grateful for this thing that yeah. I thought upset me. And, th and then you can go, okay, well, what is it, God? What am I feeling then? What, and, and very clearly, I mean, it's like, you can like, it's like, for me, sometimes it's a process of elimination where, you know, like suddenly I'm like, oh, it's th this other thing that of course, you know, <laughs> but you know, at the time I couldn't see it. Yeah. Like, do you have any other tips I didn't cover? Uh, okay. So for people who didn't write down or they missed one, point number one was laugh. Like it talks about in Proverbs 31. Uh, and that's where she also said, you don't have power over what makes you cower um, or however you said it more eloquently than that. Okay. So point one is laugh. Point two is remember your history with God. She also quoted Psalm 77. Point three is stay connected in prayer. You release it in worship. You become, um, and then point four is monitor your thoughts with the word. Point five is keep a grateful, thankful list. Honestly, I mean th that, nothing comes to mind. I think, um, I think this is all really profound stuff. And I like, man, point one being laugh. Sometimes if I can't, I just can't see, I don't even feel like I have the energy to, to do this other stuff. I will find something that I know makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to laugh for a second. I'm just going to mm -hmm. laugh. And then sometimes Lauren will even feel something shift as I'm laughing, because I have a very like, if I start laughing at something, she starts laughing at something. She doesn't even know what I'm laughing at. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, 
then I will, th that usually it's almost like beating back the weeds kind of, um, mm. you know, and it's just suddenly I can like see, see things a little bit more clearly after that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that that's something that's like, yeah, sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously or a situation way too seriously. Where mm -hmm. We're like, Oh Lord, I am not, I'm fasting, <laughs> laughing until I discover what this thing is. Oh gracious Lord. Uh -huh. And we kind of over spiritualize sometimes, or sometimes it's like, Oh, I just, just laugh for a second. Mm -hmm. and sometimes even exercise, man. Mm -hmm. Like that's another one that's big for me. So maybe mm -hmm. that's like point. Like it's like 5.5 or like 6.6 is, is exercise, you know, is, is for me, it's like getting out and getting active. Sometimes just getting out of the house mm -hmm. really makes a big difference mm -hmm. of going, Oh, okay. I needed some vitamin D. Yeah. Uh, I needed to eat something maybe. Uh, that's, that's another thing. That's a whole nother element to the story with, um, with Elijah that I always kind of chuckle about is like, an angel comes to him is like, here's some food and water. This is very hard for you. And, um, and you know, it's like, sometimes it's like, don't, don't. And then he's like, takes a nap. And I'm like, don't underestimate the power mm -hmm. of a snack and a nap, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, or rest, you know? So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you want to touch on, um, I don't know any comments from people or whatever. I don't know if you have anything else or if you want to just end this, it's up to you. Um, we've had a few questions come in. Um, and there's a, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Spencer, she just love to comment about nature. Nature is my go-to. Yeah. Okay. Can anxiety be passed down from a parent to a child? We know there are definitely bloodline things, right? We know that when alcoholism runs in a family, anxiety runs in a family. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that's both mm, psychological as well as situational. Okay. Where what mom has experienced a lot of times when there's not healing is going to, the child is going to re-experience. And so it's just situational, psychological, but it's also spiritual because there are the same spirits trying to operate in that family. So. I definitely uh, believe so, um, but we have to find the bloodline breaker in the family, yeah. right? Um, so uh, where it runs in the line, okay, we can cut the line. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we had somebody, you know, uh, write in and say, "How do you like? How do you overcome anxiety uh, that stems from years of childhood trauma?" when your mind has been conditioned to fight or flight responses as a defense mechanism. Okay. And how do you begin to think normally again? And so that came, I think it was Michelle. I don't know if it was Michelle. I think it was Michelle, but that Michelle, there are, there are physical and physiological things going on. Okay. That makes your brain respond through a function override. Okay. And it, when it's when it's at that level, especially when it's childhood trauma, especially when uh, it is uh, touching that fight or flight or freeze zone in your mind. And so the good news, OK, is God gave us a body that self repairs after trauma. OK, 
and the mind is included. The mind is flexible. It is trainable. It is repairable. Okay. And so we have to know that because if we believe we will always be a certain way, we will be mm-hmm. that way because our belief predetermines that we will stay stuck. But when we believe that we will experience healing and transformation and restoration um, by the renewing of our mind through connection with the Father for healing, uh, eventually that will take place. Okay. Or if you've read my book, there were parts of my story that were supernaturally lifted, supernaturally delivered. There were other parts of my story that were a process. Uh, I don't know why when I had faith why God chose to do it that way. I know I have a calling to walk through this so that I can minister to other people. And I can't just have those keys unless I go through those doors. But for you, I want you to begin with faith that uh, you will be made whole. All right. So it begins with believing because when we believe, that's when we begin to actually take the steps we need to take to see it. Um, and if you listened into episode two of the series, I talked about, I know what you're going through stems from childhood trauma. That's, that's much deeper than just negative thinking, Mm -hmm. but we did talk about negative thinking and how it continues to injure us after we've already traumatized, after we already have a traumatized mind. And so we talked about when we have a broken arm, you know, it's trying to heal. Okay. But if we take a car and run over that arm day after day, it's not going to heal because we're still running over it. And so in our mind, negative thinking continues to run over a mind that is trying to heal and negative thinking continues to injure it. And so I know your trauma doesn't come from uh, uh, negative thinking. It's coming from childhood trauma, but negative thinking, we have to begin to shift it so that it doesn't make the situation worse, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What I think too, just to kind of speak to the the whole, like if we don't think that we can be free from something, or we always think that we're going to deal with something, you're not going to, you're not going to get free. But I think like God illustrates the point of shifting our thinking. And even just, you know, if there is generational lines, like those can be cut off at you. And that's like, that to me is something that really puts winds in my wind in my sails. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe not in the moment uh, when I'm dealing with something. uh, But if I have a moment of clarity, I'll be like, no, you know what? Yeah. Because even like, if you think about, and the human body is amazing, but you even think on a physical level of like, say uh, obesity has run in your family for, for generations. The, you can decide, no, it ends with me and you can actually shift you can actually make lifestyle choices. Say you get in shape. And when you have children, you can actually not pass on that gene. You can actually alter the course of the future of your generations, which is amazing. Like it's an amazing thing. And I really believe that all these other things too. I mean, we talked about neural pathways, um, you know, in, in modes of thinking and that those can be altered as well. Like God designed the human body in just an amazing way. Um, and so Yes, you can mm-hmm. uh, alter the course of if you've been caught in a kind of like condition through years of trauma. Like, I mean, I'm going to say something really unconventional, but this has happened to me. I've 
I've God has broken things off to me while I've been watching a movie. Like all of a sudden he uses something. And I was obviously in dialogue with God about this thing. And then I was watching a movie and all of a sudden it was like something happened. It was just the words. And all of a sudden God, just his presence hit hard. And it was just like, all of a sudden I felt like there was a release of something. It wasn't the movie itself, but God, God is going to, God is just very present with us. And I think that that's the one thing that Satan wants us to realize, not realize. He wants us to think that we're alone and that we're the only person dealing with this thing. Uh, but there's a lot of people really wrestling with their thoughts um, right now. There's a lot of people um, and that's not to condemn anybody, but if anything, it's to bring, I think because especially with the, what Kara's gone through, what I've gone through, it is a very isolating thing. It's mm -hmm. it, it, like Satan wants you to feel like you're alone and that no one else is talking about it. But it was through that courage and Kara, I'm, I know you, you could attest to this as well, but the courage to actually talk about that stuff, even when I was in the process of going through it, man, so many people, I had so many amazing conversations with, with people of going like, oh, you deal with that too? Or, oh. I'm going through the same thing. And then you're like, we're not alone. Like we're uh -huh. not. And you know why uh, people get surprised that we deal with it? Because if we dealt with it there, it should be over. Right. But yeah. the story of Elijah, Elijah was experiencing a what now moment, right? He, and it was the same with the Israelites. They repeatedly experienced God's hand move powerfully come for them, to provide for them in these miraculous ways, to protect them, to deliver them powerfully, right? Supernatural stuff. And there were these interludes in between those, you know, magnificent episodes where they spiraled back into fear or into idolatry. For Elijah, it was only just, you know, let me go run away for a little bit. Let me go, you know, to the cave, you know. But for, for both of them, it was a what now moment. Because we have to realize we are only human and we're doing, God chose us to walk with him and do what God wants to do in the earth. Okay. That's, that's big stuff. Right. And so every time we go from one level to the next level, there's a growth that happens. And so that's why people get like scared the next time, because it's a, I know you came through there, but what now? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's a massive what now moment, mm -hmm. right? But that's when we go back to our history. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even like David, uh, when he went up against G Goliath, he'd never gone up against a giant before, but he's like, I killed the lion and the bear. What difference is this uncircumcised Philistine? So that attitude of like, if God, because God's always like, he's always one upping himself in our lives. I feel yeah. like where it's like, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. And especially if we're following him and, and walking out in faith, you're going to see that mm -hmm. measurable growth. And actually, sometimes in the moment, you may be like, well, what I'm dealing with is way smaller than what I've gone through before. Mm -hmm. And so then you start to condemn yourself. And I'm like, well, hang on. Like, God is God is always one upping himself. I always feel like that with anybody. And so for me, even what I was going through at the time with my thoughts it, it seemed small. And there was that thought of like, gosh, you've been through so much. You're dealing with this. Like, come on, man. Like, and it was like, for me, it was like that condemnation started to come in. And then you realize after I walked through it, I'm like, oh, that was a big thing. 
like that was a big thing. And uh, especially when I started to realize there was an undercurrent in other areas of my life with this throughout the years, you know, even though I wouldn't call myself an anxious person, there was an undercurrent in certain areas and, and realizing, oh, this was a big thing. I just couldn't see it at the time. Um, yeah. There's that too. Yeah. Well, I hope this, uh, I mean, we, this series has been so fun for me. It's been, you know, coming on and talking about mental torment in a spiritual lens or in a psychological lens, it's really hard because people are dealing with pain. And so you don't want to just, um, uh, you don't want it to fall flat. And so this whole series, I just prayed that it wouldn't fall flat. And what I know at this point is that the Lord wants to connect with us. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants. Right. And so I just pray that this uh, reaches all the right people, um, touches all the right points. Um, But I want to thank you all for having this series because um, I just hope it, it it brings hope to people, right. Mm -hmm. That God's not done and he is a restorer. And when God restores, it's, it's, it's more than it. It's more wholeness than we ever were. It, like yeah. version 2.0, better and stronger than 1.0, you know? Yeah, come on. Come on. All right. Well, Kara, I would love for you to pray for people um, as you feel led just to close this out. This has been great. It's been really, really well, good. You guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. But <laughs> Lord, we thank you. Um, God, that we are not alone. And even when you gave us our assignment on the earth, Lord, to go into nations and make disciples, Father, and to reach people and reconcile them back to your heart, you said, you know, behold, you know, I am with you always. Lord, thank you that you want us to know that and you want us to not just know it, but to experience it, Father. So, Lord, I pray for this series, even as it goes and reaches people in the future, Lord, that you would speak to them. Father, about the the fear and anxiety and the negative thinking in their life, God, Lord, and that you would empower them through connection, Lord, and that we would believe you for every word that you promise, that it's not a lie, it's not a false hope at all, God, but you are restoring us in full, Lord. Thank you that you make us whole. Thank you that you love us, Father. So we just pray in agreement that every single person who believes in agreement, Lord, they are an overcomer Mm -hmm. and they will overcome. So we thank you in advance for all of those testimonies. And we bless these people in your name. Amen. Amen. Kara Starnes, everybody. Uh, We need an applause, an applause button. That'd be awesome. Um, Okay. So uh, how can people get this fantastic book, especially if they want to dive into the worksheets and all that good stuff. Um, How can people get this and the sweet grenade sticker makes trouble. (laughs) So karastarns.com, of course. Yep. I'm sure they'll link it below. Yep. Oh, it's there. Everybody right under the stuff we talked about section, you can click right there and you can get that defend yourself book. I think for a lot of people who are still feeling like the, the, I mean, God can do a lot in three episodes, but I mean, if with Kara and with myself, there's a lot, it really is a process. You're beginning this process and God can do a, a quick thing and remove, break certain things off supernaturally, but there still is a process of walking this stuff out. So 
if if you are in that boat, I would strongly recommend getting her book. Uh, it's amazing, and I, I you guys know how I feel about it. Uh, so um, yeah, so Kara, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you for your time. Like seriously, like you just put so much care into how you broke down these subjects over the weeks, and it was I was always really impressed just to see how thorough you are. So thank you so much. Love you guys. Can't yeah, wait. To we love you too. Everybody have a blessed Wednesday. Also, ledgefire.com slash donate is how you donate. All oh, proceeds. I got to breathe, man. I got to breathe. I was like, <gasps> uh, all proceeds go towards giving the tweet there. That was for the yawn. It just like, <laughs> no, that's, yeah. that deserves much more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to flip my hair. I got to do this. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Um, but yeah, guys, elijahfire.com slash donate is how you donate. All proceeds go towards keeping this free. We love free at five days a week. And then we take a portion of every donation we funnel into our water well efforts overseas and stateside. We're doing stuff with First Nations people now. It's amazing. Freshwater wells, all because of you guys' generosity. So God bless you guys. And we'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 